0: I am glad to be here with you today. It is an exciting day in the life of our church and in my life. And wow, you know, I'm thinking that probably a whole bunch of you wish you were preaching now after you heard that wonderful music. I'm telling you, I am ready to preach. Last week, Pastor Jacob got us started. He was talking to us about the last arrow and he used a story. He introduced us to Elisha, who at the end of his life challenged the king that was the the king of the uh, country at that point in time to shoot all of his arrows, hold nothing back take risks so that you can end your life right here knowing that you have lived everything so there's nothing left to give i got to tell you that was so moving to me was it to you guys very moving to me let me tell you what i did i got a whole bunch of arrows a whole bunch of them i have a bunch of arrows that are like this in different colors and actually i have one hanging in every room in my house i already had one But I decided I wanted this to become part of me so much that I have one in every room in my house to help me remember that I want to shoot all my arrows and make sure I live until there's nothing left. Now, today, I'm going to be sharing for the next three weeks, but today I actually want to share with you uh, some uh, concept, the first of three concepts that are from God that he has used to shape my life and to make me live a life that I'm actually thrilled to be living now and I've been very, very grateful for. I'm into... to shoot every arrow and take every risk. You know my daddy he was the greatest guy and I'm a daddy's girl no question and I have no shame I'm a daddy's girl but my dad was very uh, well known for saying this when people would ask him he was the greatest giver you'd ever want to meet and when they would ask him Jim or Pastor Jim, Pastor Mason why do you give so much and he would say well I don't want to meet Jesus with any of his nickels hanging around in my pocket. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. And my my thought is pretty similar. I don't want to meet Jesus with any arrows still in my quiver. I want to shoot them all. I want to do that. Now, you may feel this morning, as most people do, we get down on ourselves. and, And have you noticed that the pandemic has been pretty hard on people? You know, people feel discouraged because things are not living up to what they want them to live up to and, you know, their jobs are hard and many have been furloughed or or completely let go. Those kind of things from their jobs and, and, you know, we're trying to teach kids and we're not teachers and all of that. So we just have all kinds of struggles with it. And many of us feel like we have very little or nothing to give. Well, I want to share a story, another story about Elisha with you that I think will help you understand that what you have to give and the arrow you have is exactly what you need to shoot. It comes from 2 Kings again, and this is chapter 4. I'm going to invite you to, to read along on the screen uh, this morning as we start in 2 Kings uh, chapter 4 at verse 1. One day a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out my husband who served you is dead and you know how he feared the Lord but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Now we don't know how long this man was gone. We don't know how long ago he had uh, died but we know that it's been long enough that the debts have caught up enough to his wife that she's far enough behind that his creditors had a legal right to step in. That's where they were at that point in time. And she, she hadn't been paying anything. She hadn't been taking care of things, not because she didn't know there was debts, not because she didn't know that she should pay, but probably because she had her head in the sand, probably because she was just terrified. Do you ever do that? Do you ever put your head in the sand and just not think about something that is too big or too scary for you? I've done that many times before. You don't do something because you hope, you think, if I don't take care of that right now, if I don't do that, maybe it'll go away. Maybe they'll forget about it. Maybe something will happen. Or maybe you don't do what you need to do because you just procrastinate. For one reason or another, you do that. Sometimes we do procrastinate because we feel like life is too big things are too heavy, there's just too much, and we're overwhelmed and fearful, we can't even consider shooting an arrow. We can't take a risk. Now, I actually get this, Widow. I'm going to tell you, I know from experience that it's shocking when your partner is suddenly gone. Some of you know it's shocking when your job is is suddenly gone. When something has suddenly happened that uh, just overwhelms you, I know as a widow myself that you have lots of thoughts, and one that is very frequent for many widows is to just crawl in bed and pull the covers up and try to sleep until something is different. You don't have to be a widow to feel that way, right? Sometimes we just feel that way. We all have that. Many of us have done that. And we've all of a sudden wakened up one day and something is different. Now we're we're more than depressed. Now we're more than afraid. We're in the middle of a big crisis. That's what happened here. She is totally panicked. She was in a bad situation. Her husband was dead. She had lots of debts. But now she finds out, oh no, now it's not just that. Now they're going to take my sons as slaves. She's panicked. You can hear it in what she says as as we read it here. You can hear it. And, And she's, I'm sure, wondering if God has abandoned her. Don't we all get that way? Yeah, when we feel like our resources are too small, we ask ourselves, have I been thinking wrong? Have I been planning wrong? Have I thought that God was going to come through for me and he doesn't? But to her credit, she turns to God. And so she says, Elisha asked her, what can I do to help you? Elisha asks, tell me, what do you have in the house? Well, wow. in moments like these. When you're in a crisis, when you know you need something, it's pretty good to know what you got to work with. It's, it's pretty good, and she did know. But she didn't have to take a lot of inventory. She might have thought when he asked her that, what's he think he's going to do? Is he going to put me on Craigslist? You know, Is he going to organize a yard sale? Is he going to try to do something on eBay? What's going on here? Why does he want to know what I have in the house? But the inventory was easy for her because she had... Nothing. Her answer showed the state of her soul and the state of her finances. Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she said. Now I know that there couldn't have been much oil in there because oil, olive oil in their society was the last thing that you had left if you were poor because they used olive oil for everything. If you had um, enough olive oil, you'd use it to make your skin. Feel good and you know do that they would use olive oil for lighting things sometimes but they really used it for food everything that you did with food had to have olive oil so that would be if you only had a little bit to buy it'd be like I don't know oh and if you only had a little bit of money and you wanted to buy food what would be your your choice would it be a taco or a burger Taco. a taco <laughs> okay a taco well you know what your last thing of choice would be if you just had enough money to buy one thing Theirs would all be olive oil because they had to have it before they could do anything else. She had nothing but this, and this is what she used for everything. So here's something you need to know and I need to know and really keep in my mind about how God works. He usually doesn't tell us what he's going to do. Now let me say it another way. He usually doesn't tell us what he is going to do, but he does tell us what we have to do. Have you noticed that? Yeah. We're all wanting God to say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a million dollar check for you. I'm going to do, you know, I, I'm going to get you a guy. I'm going to get you a girl. I'm going to, I'm going to find a, a scholarship for school. We, all of those things, we want God to tell us what he's going to do, but he, he doesn't do that. He only says what we need to do. Elisha's response is the same here as it is with the man with the arrows. He didn't tell him what, why he needed to shoot the arrows. He didn't tell her why she needed to get the jars. He, he didn't tell her any of this. He didn't tell her anything. He just, he just said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to listen to me. Now, that's where you and I are today. In your life, no matter how little you have, no matter where you are, no matter how overwhelming your situation uh, seems to be to you, you and I are in a place where we simply need, the only thing we need to worry about is doing what God tells us to do that's all we don't even need to worry what we have We don't have to worry about what he's going to do with it. We just have to worry about what we're going to do. Even though we feel like that we have so few arrows, maybe not even one. All we have is olive oil. That's all we have. Even though we we feel like we have nothing, when we give what we have to God, when we do what he says for us to do, we open an opportunity for God's generosity and goodness to be overflowing in our lives. When we give... God our arrows when we shoot our arrows we will create with God a future we can't imagine because he takes responsibilities to guide the arrows to take care of where they go so God through Elisha was not upset that this little bit of olive oil was all she had God doesn't need much but he does need all we have okay he doesn't need a lot But he does need all that we have. It's not how much you have. It's what you do with it. So Elisha says to her, Borrow as many empty jars, just like this, empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Think about it. She didn't know why she was doing it. She didn't have a clue, but she sent her sons to all the neighbors. She couldn't explain to the neighbors why she wanted these. Did you know that sometimes God will tell you something to do something and your own parents won't understand why you're doing it? And you can't even explain it to them. You just know this is what I'm supposed to do. You can't explain how it's going to work out. She couldn't tell her neighbors. We don't hear that they ask her. They might have said, oh, that crazy woman. She's in grief so long. Now she's collecting jars. Well, I can give her this one. You know, I'll give her this old ball jar. I'll do this. You know, I can give her this. So she did it. She did as she was told. The thought of the loss of her sons jolted her to a place of urgency. And now she was willing to do whatever. So her sons... Kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Can you imagine what it felt like to her to start with a little bit of oil and take that first jar and pour it in there? And she sees that that jar should be empty, but it's not. This jar is full and this one still has as much in it as it did before. She had to be thinking, What's he doing? What's God doing? What's God doing? And they kept bringing her jar after jar, and she filled one after another. The oil was multiplied over and over and over again. She was aware God was working, but she still didn't know what he was doing. She just knew that God was working on her behalf. I can't even imagine. Well, actually, yes, I can imagine. Can't you remember something you've done that God told you to do, and you were frightened, you were absolutely certain it would fail? And somehow it worked out. You can see the oil pulling in and you're like, "Ah, I should have totally failed. And he rescued me. That's what happens when you pour the oil when God tells you to. It's what happens when you shoot the arrows that he tells you to. Wow. The oil was multiplied over and over again. And again, the scripture tells us soon every container was full to the brim. And then bring me another jar. She says to her son, there aren't any more. He told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Then, then you see, God didn't run out of oil. She ran out of jars. Do you understand that? God never runs out of what we need. We just run out of what we're given to him, right? right? That's the way it is. That's the way it is. We don't run out of arrows. We don't run out of jars. We don't run out of, God doesn't run out of oil. He just runs out of what we have for him to pour it into. That's what happened right here. Go back to the story JL told us last week, Pastor Jacob. Go back to that. They didn't run out of arrows. They just quit shooting. They just quit shooting arrows. Now, when she, when the jars are all full to the brim, can you imagine that house full of oil everywhere? Everywhere. Just jars everywhere. When the jars are all full, now she gets an idea of what God has in mind. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. God came through and rescued her. Not with the lottery. Not with a million-dollar check. Not with an inheritance. He came through for her with this. With just what she had. The little bit that should have run out. God came through for her with that. Wow. God is trying to tell us something very important here. He will fill every jar you bring to him. But he will not chase you for your jar. He absolutely will not. He absolutely will not. He will fill every empty jar you bring to him. He takes responsibility to guard and guide every arrow that you shoot to the right target but you have to shoot it you have to do it he wants to do far more for us than we can ever imagine but we have to shoot the arrow we have to get up from grieving our losses grieving the loss of a friendship the loss of a of a job the loss of a loved one we have to get up from our grieving and gather the jars and pour, pour the oil. We absolutely have to. We can't begin to know what God will do for us. This has been true so many times over and over and over in my life. Do you know, I went to seminary without ever having seen a woman pastor? I never saw one. I didn't actually know what God was gonna do with my seminary education, I just shot the arrow. I just did it. And now I am retiring after 46 years in ministry. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. (laughs) During my 46 years in official ministry, I did everything that there was to do. I was custodian. I was secretary. They were so glad to get done with me being secretary. <laughs> um, I was a youth director. I did all different kinds of things. And, and different people told me, you better stop it because you're going to get pegged. You will never get to be a senior pastor. You're going to get stuck in one of these places. And I couldn't listen to that. I just had to keep pulling the arrows out of my quiver and keep shooting them. And do you know of the 46 years I've been in ministry, more than 35 of those have been as a pastor of one kind or another. I didn't get stuck where they told me I was going to get stuck. I didn't, I didn't get stuck there. I believe that God's first goal for me, his very first goal for me, was to absolutely be responsible to my husband and to my family. And so, during the period of time that I was raising kids, I was shooting arrows that were not getting directed to, towards being a senior pastor in any in any obvious way that you could see it would happen. They just were not going that direction. And I, um, but I got numerous offers to be a solo pastor, to go someplace and and uh, you know pastor my own church, do my own thing, and be uh, let Charlie pastor Cornerstone by himself. And God spoke to my heart very clearly, no, that's not the thing to do. The thing to do is have your kids raised in one church together, where they see mom and dad serving together. It's not the thing for you. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong for anyone else. I'm saying that's what God told me. That's what he told me. You just keep shooting your arrows. You just keep pouring your oil right here, and let's see what you will do. I had um, people tell me, people who were supervisors in the denomination in which I was serving, and they told me, Brenda, you you probably need to bury that idea and decide that you will be associate pastor, that you will do something else the rest of your life because girl, you got way too much baggage that you want to carry with you to get to be a senior pastor. At this point in time, I had three kids. I had a husband and I had a, a mother-in-law and father-in-law that lived with us. The father-in-law was dying and the mother-in-law would live with us then for 22 years. I said, you can't, you got too many responsibilities. You're not going to be able to do this. You're going to get passed over. You'll never get this. Yet, I have. I'm just now retiring with over 24 years as a senior pastor. How about that? Wow. God took my arrows that I shot and landed them on the right target. I just shot the arrows, and God did the work. Now, let me ask you, when you hear about I know that most of you don't want to be a pastor. My dream would not be your dream. And I'm hoping that none of you have sons that are about to be sold into slavery. (laughs) But when you hear what God did for that widow and what he's done for me, doesn't it make you think, well, I want to have a great story too. I, I I want to get through the hardship that I'm in. And I want to be aware that God has done something miraculous for me. Well, sure you do. Sure you do, because if you have brain cells that are working, everybody wants to have a great story. Everyone wants to live a great life. But you know this. Here's the thing about great stories. Everyone wants to have a great life. Can you bring it up here for me? Everyone wants to have a great life and live a great story. But great stories are always written with urgency and risk. You can't have a great story without those two things in them. Think of the movie that you like the most. You know, let's, let's just think, I'm going to get one that every age level can relate to uh, because you've heard it, seen it somewhere. Rocky. Great, Ur- <laughs> great one, great one. <laughs> Rocky. That whole series, urgency and risk, Right. Urgency and risk all the way through. There was no way he should have ended up to be the championship time and time again. Champion time and time again he shouldn't have. Because every great story, every great story has urgency and risk in it. And yours will be absolutely no different. Nothing happened for the widow until she got urgent, until she got desperate, until she was willing to run the risk of looking stupid, being disappointed, until she was uh, willing to run the risk of, of... failing, of operating without all the facts, of doing what the the man of God told her to do when she didn't even know what was going to happen with it. I mean, think about it. He's telling her to pour, pour the oil and that's all she has left. Until she was willing to do that, she couldn't have a great story. She couldn't begin to know what God would do. Do you know, for you and I, it's the same way. Until we are willing to risk being disappointed until we're willing to risk being misunderstood, until we're willing to to be urgent enough that we're going to do it right now, even before we understand why God wants us to do this, until we're willing to risk hatred and rejection, even from people that you love, you will never have a great story. You never will. You never will because you will hold on to your little bit of oil and hope that somehow you make it through And you'll end your life with lots of arrows that you never shot and you never knew what God could do. What I have found in my life is that you absolutely have to act as though your life depends on you, taking this step of risk and urgency and obedience to God. You have to act as though someone's life depends on it, yours or somebody else's, or you will go nowhere. Now, here's the bottom line. It's not just acting as if. It is true. It is true. Your life, the fulfillment of your life, does depend on your obedience. It does. It depends on you shooting the arrows. It it depends for this mother, her son's lives. She wasn't willing to do this for herself, but she was willing to do it for them. And maybe that's where it is for you. Pastor Jacob told us again last week, we don't know whose life hangs in the balance of the choices that we make. And it's really, really true. I want to talk to you for a minute about uh, me and about Clear Blue. Most of you know what Clear Blue is. It's our organization that was founded through Cornerstone Church. Um, and it, it is an organization that brings uh, clean water, safe water to desperate, desperately needy uh, locations around the world. Now, at the time, When I preached about Clear Blue for the first time, I never intended, never dreamed, not in my wildest dreams did I ever believe that there would be an organization called Clear Blue one day. I didn't know that. I just knew that there was an arrow in my quiver that God was asking me to shoot, and I didn't understand it. There weren't many people talking about clean water in the church at that point in time. It was starting to get big uh, in the secular world, but in the church, most people were not talking about it uh, too much. And God just impressed me with it so much. I saw pictures. I don't have time to go into that, but I saw pictures that broke my heart and I couldn't push it away. And God kept telling me, shoot the arrow, preach the sermon, shoot the arrow, preach the sermon. And I didn't want to do it because I was afraid. I knew I was going to be misunderstood and I knew I was going to be criticized. I was in a period of a lot of criticism at the church at that point in time. When I first became pastor, There was a whole group of people uh, that left because I was a woman. Um, They had been happy with me doing other things, but not being the pastor. And so uh, we had 60 60 adults leave uh, at one time when I first became pastor. And, and, you know, in in the life cycle of a church, one of the things you learn is that every few years somebody gets upset. (laughs) That's just kind of where it goes. And we were in one of those periods of time. And um, this was 2006, 2007, and, and we were in a period of time where I was getting a lot of criticism for being too socially minded. I, you know, we were doing Jesus Said downtown. We were doing those kinds of things. We, we had done all kinds of stuff in our community, but God kept speaking to me that our love for missions was low. Our love for the world was low. We were happy to care for people we could see. But we weren't happy to care for others. And he kept speaking to me about that. And this water thing was so big on my mind. And I knew that God was telling me, you need to, you need to do a well for somewhere in a, a third world country. You need to do that. Didn't want to do it. I knew I was going to get so criticized. It was going to be, here she goes again. All that woman wants to do is just love somebody new. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. And I knew that it was going to be very, very uh, criticized. But I preached it. I preached about this one Sunday morning to raise one money for one well, $1,500. I shot the arrow. Wow. One well. Who knew what God was going to do? You know what we got? We, send it, we sent the money to the village in Malawi that we had been told so badly needed a well. They didn't know we were trying to raise a well. But the morning that we raised money, they were praying they were fasting and praying. They didn't have much to eat. They were fasting and praying. And they sent a camera crew into the village that got the well. When, they, when uh, we sent them the money, these people were dancing all over the place, falling down on the ground, crying and raising their hands and praising the Lord. And then a year later, we had some folks from our church went over there to that place. And the difference in the babies, so different they looked completely different because they had clean water and they were able to, to have, grow crops and do things. It was completely different. And guess what? The arrow that I had shot didn't look so stupid then. People were feeling different about it then. But you know what? It not only changed the ideas of people in our church because we shot that arrow, God did things we couldn't begin. I never dreamed of starting a nonprofit. That was the furthest thing from my mind. But you know what we are? That was the first Sunday of June in 2007. And since, since then, we have raised $2 million. We have raised $2 million. We've done uh, between 450 and 500 projects completed. Uh, pretty soon it'll be 500 because we have some being done right now in 24 different countries. And over 400,000 people have drank water that clear blue provided. What do you think about that? Isn't that crazy? That was one arrow that got shot. And God directed it. All I had to do was shoot it. And now we have all of that happen, happening. Why did it happen? Well, because it was urgent. It seemed urgent to me, and I took a risk. Many lives depended on it. And not only many lives, but my, my own dreams, too. You know, when I was a little girl... When I was a little girl, my dad loved missions and he uh, had a missions conference at our church and he showed the movie, it's a little world vision film, black and white film called The 38th Parallel. And it was a story of the war between North and South Korea. And um, how the uh, North Koreans were very opposed to missionary activity and everything that happened in that split there. It was very, very moving to me. And I, I watched as, it was all real footage, I watched as a man, a Korean, uh, South Korean Christian, um, as he stood beside a grave that he had dug for himself. And they asked him to renounce his faith and to stop doing missionary work, and he wouldn't do it. And so they shot him into his own grave in front of his children. At the end of that, I was, I mean, I was a little kid, and my eyes were this big. I was either seven or eight years old. And I watched that. I watched that. And at the end of it, Bob Pierce gave a call. Does anyone feel God calling them to be a missionary? And I went to the altar that night. I was the only one who went. I was the only one who went. I went to the altar that night, and when I went, I actually thought I was telling God that I would die for him That's because that's what I thought this was about, that that would happen. I had no idea what God was going to do. I just knew that he wanted me to pour some oil and to shoot an arrow, and so I did. And you got to keep in mind, I was 7 or 8. I had no clue what was going to happen, but I grew up, and I kept pouring the oil and shooting the arrows and I went to uh bible college and when I went there I went on a missions trip because I believe this was my first thing the first step I could take in that direction so I went on the mission trip and um on the mission trip God told me I wasn't going to be a missionary in the way that I thought I went to Japan and I was heartbroken how could that possibly be and so then I'm I'm like well what have I done everything that I've done here is it wrong it's like no You're going to serve me. You just keep shooting the arrows. You just keep doing the next thing. I didn't know what he was going to do with my oil. I didn't know. I just knew that I had to keep doing it. And so I did. I kept doing it. Now, all through my life... It's been easy to be misunderstood. Whenever you live with urgency, whenever you live being willing to take risks, that you, uh, you, you will be misunderstood. You, you just will, you absolutely will. But you have to just keep shooting the arrows. After I became a pastor, and, um, I, and that part of my dream was fulfilled, I just kept shooting the arrows. I raised money for missions um, out of our church uh, family. Four different people have been called to be missionaries and are spending their life there. Out of our church family, we've had uh, more than a half dozen that are currently serving uh, in in pastorates doing right now. I was just shooting arrows and pouring oil, and I had no idea uh, what God was going to do with it. Now, I want to encourage those of you who feel like you've maybe been so far in your life and you haven't done anything significant yet, I was 54. I was 54 years old when I preached that sermon about clear blue. 54. Who does anything great when you're 54? You're supposed to have done that a long time ago. I mean, you retire from football before you're 30, right? (laughs) You retire from all these different things. I was 54 years old when I preached that clear blue sermon. And yet God took that arrow and he did something so impacting. And I didn't know that it was even going to be for me, that it was going to be full circle for me. But through Clear Blue, I received lots of opportunities to do different things. And one day I was in Seoul, Korea. I was there to speak. And um, the head of all the churches in that area, a, a large group of Presbyterian churches, asked me, would you like to go see the 38th Parallel? the division between our countries and i said yes i would love to and so he took me there and it was it was the most amazing startling thing when you say north and south korea we tend to think there's this big division there's not you can see across when you're driving down the road, you can see across the river, and actually there at the 38th parallel, I was i was right here, and in front of me, just yards in front of me, was the barbed wire fence that separated North Korea from South Korea, and there were thousands of notes in there from people, uh, South Koreans, who were putting them in there for um, their, in, in love messages to the people who were still in the North that they hadn't been able to see for 30 and 40 years. It was just crazy. And on this big platform all around, there were North Korean soldiers up there with machine guns, ready to take out anybody who did anything they shouldn't do. It was just a crazy, crazy setting. It was just like that movie I had seen when I was seven or eight years old. And as I stood there with tears running down my face realizing where I was standing, God spoke to me. And he said, I told you you were going to be a missionary, didn't I? I told you you were going to do that. I was just going to pour the oil. I was just going to do the arrows in a different way than you knew. I was going to do that for you. You are a missionary, Brenda. Did you know that When I thought there was no missionary in my future, today I have been in 24 different countries for Jesus, and I have had the privilege of preaching the gospel in 19 of them. How nuts is that? I could not have done that. All I could do was shoot the arrow, and God took responsibility to direct it to the target. If I would have waited until no one criticized me, If I would have waited until everyone agreed the time was right, I would have never pastored. Did you know my own mother was never comfortable with me being a pastor? She had been raised that women pastors were just wrong. That was what she had been raised in the church where she grew up, and she loved me. She wanted God to bless me, but she was never comfortable with what I did. I would have never done hardly anything that I have done that has filled my life with adventure and joy if I would have waited for everybody to say a girl, Go get it. You can't do that. You have to shoot the arrows, you have to pour the oil, simply because God told you to. You have to believe urgently that your own life satisfaction depends upon it. You have to believe urgently that your own joy in life depends upon it. You never know who and what hangs in the balance. Lives do depend on what you do. And your children's lives, if you have children, they depend on what you do. They're watching you. Now that is why Paul said to Timothy... A young man who was watching him, he said to Timothy, this is in Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, I urge you, Timothy, as we live in the sight of God and of Christ Jesus, whose coming and power will judge the living and the dead. Look, when you're afraid to shoot your arrow, when you're afraid to pour your oil, quit listening to those people. The people that you need to pay attention to are God, Jesus Christ. You live in the sight of God, and it is Christ Jesus whose judgment will matter. That's the one who will matter. So I urge you to preach the word of God. Never lose your sense of urgency in season or out of season. You know what he's saying there? He's saying there are some seasons that are really good. Like if you want to grow corn, there's a certain time that you really should plant it. And he's saying, hey, you be so urgent. You even plant corn when people tell you it's stupid to plant corn. Preach it in season, out of season. You just shoot those errors. You, you do it when it's convenient and when it's not. That's what he told Timothy. That's the way Paul lived his life and that's what he was saying to Timothy. That's the way that you have to live. Procrastination. Procrastination and take it easy are never compatible with the last arrow life. The people who are going to do it tomorrow, the people who are going to do it when I get this done, never get it done. The people who don't want to take risks The people who are afraid of being misunderstood, who are afraid of failure, the people who have to know what God's going to do and they have to know how it's all going to turn out will never do it. They will never shoot the arrow. They will never pour, pour the oil. We are in a time when your arrows are so desperately needed in our world. We are in a time when there are so many empty jars that need your oil. You can't hold back. You can't. You have to act as though your life depends on it because it does. And other people's do as well. This is your one and only life. The big tragedy of your life will be ending it with oil still in your jar and arrows still in your quiver. Nothing we do for God is ever wasted. Nothing. No task is too big or too small. None of the jars that those neighbors gave the widows were too small. She took them all and God filled them all with oil. Too many people spend their lives wondering and praying and resenting that God gave someone else a cannon to shoot. Why don't I get to shoot that? But they never shoot the arrows they have in their own quiver. God is wondering, why won't you shoot what I gave you? Why won't you do the thing that I impressed upon your heart to do? Why won't you do that? Because that's where your great life, your great story begins. The bottom line I want to share with you today is that you and I must live with a sense of urgency. We have to act like our life depends on it because it does. It really does. Our life depends on the way we live our lives and take the risk for Jesus Christ. So next steps. What would I like to see you do this week? Oh, I want your life to be so great. You can't imagine how great I want your life to be. I want you to take time this week to write out a plan for what arrows you know you need to shoot before the end of the year. Now, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody here has something you know that God wants you to do before the end of the year. This week, write that out and write a plan for it. And then write some life goals that you believe are the arrows. That God wants you to shoot before your life is over. You know kind of like a bucket list. Except it's not just about you. It's about what God wants you to do. This is what I know for sure about every one of you that's listening to me today. You were created for greatness and fulfillment. He has put a quiver full of arrows on your back. But he will not pull them out for you. He will not draw back the bow for you. He wants you to shoot them. And he takes responsibility for using his almighty hand and directing them perfectly to the target that will bring you joy and will change the world around you. There will be battles to fight. There will be struggles to face. And you will never know when you shoot the arrow exactly where it's going to land. You don't know exactly what God's going to do with the arrows that you shoot. But you do know you have arrows to shoot and you know you need to be urgent. You need to do it today. Your life depends on it. Did you hear me? Matt, your life depends on it. Owen, Misty, JC, Kristen, your life depends on it. Yours does too. So does mine. And other people's lives depend on our obedience as well. Let's pray about it. Lord Jesus, we thank you today that you have gifted us with the Holy Spirit. You've forgiven us. Just like the song we sang, there's no grave going to hold us down. But we got to walk out. We have to walk out. We have to shoot the arrows. We have to give up the oil. We have to do that. I pray today that every one of us who is listening to your word today will choose to shoot our arrows. Will choose to let your mighty hand guard them faithfully, skillfully to the target. And we will stand in awe and amazement at what you've done with ordinary us. Things we could have never dreamed or accomplished ourselves. You've done it with us because we have loved you, we've obeyed you, we've shot the arrows. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Oh, I'm so glad that you've been here and let me share with you today. I'm very, very excited about it. I want to tell you that if you were watching today and you uh, made a commitment to Jesus Christ in one way or another, Journey Starting Point, you need to check that out right there where you're watching right now. Uh, You want to watch the post-show and find out what to do for Journey Starting Point. We want to get you started on this path of obeying Jesus Christ, shooting your arrows, pouring the oil. You want to do that. It's going to be very, very important. And then I want to encourage you to be back next Sunday. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about the people that you need. You, you need You need to get a pack. You know that? You need your tribe. You need your pack. That's what's going to move you forward. And I want to tell you some exciting things about the pack that has moved me forward and how you can gather a group of people who will help you succeed in all the ways that God wants you to do. So I hope that you'll be back uh, for that next week. And then I want to tell you, keep watching, keep watching, and keep listening. Our media, we've got all kinds of cool things coming up. You don't want to miss any of it. You don't want to be the last to know something really cool, do you? You know, that's not good for your reputation to be the uncool person when everybody else knows. So I want to encourage you to do that. And then right now, I'm going to ask you wherever you are to do what I'm going to do. I'm kind of cripply up here, but I'm going to stand up because I want to give you the blessing of the Lord. And I'm going to ask every single person, wherever you are, if you're at home, if you're here, stand up where you are. Stand up where you are in honor of Jesus Christ and in a great commitment that you are going to shoot the arrows and receive the blessing of the Lord. May Jesus Christ, who knows you best and loves you most and has all the power, equip you to do every good thing and may you obey. Amen. 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 Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.